to keep our joints, our shoulders, our hips, our knees, keep our joints healthier by doing more toning and strengthening around the joints. Hi, I am Alok and I'm your host at Pitarobic. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat, the podcast by Fitarobic. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat by Fitarobic. If you're looking to improve your health and well-being to lead a healthy, fit, and fulfilling life, whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete, this podcast is for you. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon to you all. Today, I am once again joined by Michael Stein for Fitness Pro Chat with Today, Michael and I will discuss what you may be missing in your health transformation and how yoga can fill this gap. Michael is a yoga instructor and has been teaching yoga for over a lifetime now. During his most recent incarnation, he has been teaching for 30 years. Nothing makes Michael happier than imparting his love of yoga to students. Welcome to the show, Michael. It's a pleasure to host you once again. Thank you. Good to see you. Michael, you bring over three decades of experience in yoga and anatomy teaching. How have you seen yoga transform over the years and what pivotal moments stand out to you? It's changed so much over the years, especially since the mid-1970s that I've seen it. I mean, obviously my perspective is in America only. So it went from a much more known as a gentle form of exercise with a lot of pranayama and uh, meditation, much more gentle on the joints and the muscles, uh, and a lot of stretching to now being... (laughs) much more about a high, almost like a hybrid the way it's taught these days um, okay. a lot of stre- a lot of strengthening taking into account some uh, pilates and calisthenics and core, core strengthening and the, a lot of uh, the, the postures the classical postures have definitely been altered in, in many in many ways uh, by different teachers to to make them and to create creatively change them a little bit to stretch different parts of the body and I guess also to keep students interested over the years. So it's changed a lot. And of course, it's in all the different cities, all the different gyms, everything has uh, transformed. So are there any specific instances that you would want to mention uh, the way yoga is perceived and practiced today? I think the, well, the, the, the fact that it jumped into the gyms was a big, a big change. That it became something that was you know, first in yoga studios, then it seemed like all of a sudden every gym had to have yoga classes and many yoga teachers. And that was a big change. Um, the big changes, uh, when Ashtanga yoga became vinyasa yoga was a big change. You know, Ashtanga yoga was from, uh, Sri K. Patabi Joyce in Mysore, India. And um, a lot of his disciples spread along the, uh, spread along the planet all over the place. But then it, it kind of got filtered down into vinyasa yoga. So that became a big change. So, uh, that was not really a vinyasa is now so popular it's everywhere but it wasn't exactly a really a style of yoga in and of itself it didn't have its own lineage mm-hmm. well you also have been experienced in anatomy and you have a great understanding of body mechanics and how it influences each yoga pose oh, is there any uh, surprising discovery or uh, anything specific you would want to cite in terms of how anatomy can influence the way people try and practice yoga? Yeah, that's a big subject. That's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, as I said, yoga was often seen as just stretching years ago. Of course, there was always some toning because whenever whenever we use our muscles, we tone a little bit. Like we do cobra pose, we're toning our triceps, and toning our deltoids a little bit. But it's not the kind of strength that would make a huge difference in someone's body. So I think... 
one of the different elements in recent years, in the last 10 or 20 years, is a strengthening element to keep our joints, our shoulders, our hips, our knees, keep our joints healthier by doing more toning and strengthening around the joints. So to strengthen the quadriceps around the knees, to strengthen the yeah. deltoids, to strengthen the rotator cuff around the shoulders. And that's that's been picked up on more, I think, in yoga classes, um, an understanding of how important that is, especially as we get older. I teach a lot of seniors, and uh-huh. sometimes we make the we make the mistake of thinking strengthening is for people who are younger and stretching is for people who are older, whereas it's really the opposite in a lot of ways. I think I think we should uh-huh. change that paradigm. Um, so mm-hmm. as we get older, we need to strengthen more. Um, we need to true. More, more aware of strength in our hips and our, ba- our balance, especially because we don't want to fall and hurt ourselves or break a hip or shoulder. Uh, younger people probably need to stretch more, actually, uh, because most, most, especially young men, can be so tight, and that leads to a lot of lower back injuries. So the idea okay. of using strengthening in yoga classes is a big change. Um, also. I've noticed in uh, inversions, like uh, one thing that comes to mind is headstand. Headstand yes. was, was often uh, a posture that was done a lot in yoga classes, and it still it still can be done a lot. But I think it's needs to be done in a safer way. Certain things aren't done as safely, so people would put too much weight on their neck and um, yeah. hurt the cervical vertebra in the neck by putting too much weight on their head and neck. So things like that. Uh, there's been a lot of discoveries about the knees as well. How we overdo a lot of things with our knees yoga demands a lot of the knees probably more than any other practice so we have to be very cautious about how we approach the half lotus postures or even full lotus you mentioned yoga being doing more of stretches when you are uh, young and uh, as you become older you try and go for more of strength exercises so how exactly an individual keep a balance of both especially when they are in their mid-30s or 40s and when the chances of uh, getting any sort of ailment is higher. Uh, creating your own personal practice is a very challenging thing. It some, usually takes, usually is very helpful to have someone guide you if you're, if you're, if you're new to it, especially sure. someone who understands the body, someone who can see where the strengths and the weaknesses lie. And uh, so to, to take into account with each individual is very different than, uh, than doing a yoga class because in a class a teacher can only guide students so much if there's 20 or more people in a class you can only uh, help individuals on a small level but a private class or a semi-private you can really hone in on what the problems might be or what the the history of the body is that's important to look at the whole history of the body how do you do that it takes some time and understanding of what the anatomy is um at the at the basic level you can obviously know where you're where you're tight feel where you're tight most people are going to be tight in the pectorals and the in the deep hip muscles and the gluteus yeah. medius muscle um, a lot of people are tight in the hamstrings it depends on the person so to obviously to make uh, focus stretches there some people will tell me that they stretch that they stretch regularly but then I'll, I'll see that they're not really uh focusing on something that targets the muscles that they're really tight in like like for instance the piriformis muscle it's a very uh muscle talked about a lot, deep, deep hip muscle. Sometimes people yeah. will stretch without ever really targeting the stretch of the piriformis. And that, that doesn't really help them if they're having certain pain in their hip. Sure. 
Are there any guidelines on stretching for how long they should be stretching each of these muscles while uh, doing the stretch exercises? I don't so much believe in guidelines for each muscle. I mean, you're always, every time we stretch, you're stretching a group of muscles or many muscles. Um, Definitely want to relax the nervous system while stretching. So that can, by by breathing deeply and maybe slow, slow, slower, long exhalations for at least least six to 10 breaths, you know, um, that relaxes the nervous system that will allow the muscle to relax and allow the muscle to deepen the stretch. So the nervous system, we're learning more and more about how that is so important for the whole, our whole body, whether we're doing yoga okay. or not. Obviously, we have our, our triggers during the day. So as they yeah. say, doing yoga and releasing some of the stress in our bodies by doing yoga, meditation, stretching, that will allow us to be more uh, conscious, be more mindful during the day because we won't have stresses in our body. We're not holding on to as much tension. Um, yeah, I'd say the main thing is to find the stretches that are important and to really use your breath to focus on relaxing while you're doing them. I've spoken with a few of the experts and everyone talks about yoga being a mind-body connection. So what are your thoughts on building that or cultivating the mind-body connection in your teaching, uh, especially considering the current pace of modern life? <laughs> yeah, the current pace of modern life is pretty insane. <laughs> um, my own practice is more about a mind-body connection than I than my teaching. To be honest, even even though I teach a lot of yoga, uh, it's I, I I'm not the type of individual that tells people that they must cultivate a certain connection. I try to influence it just through the class a little bit, but I don't I don't. So I, a lot of teachers I know do talk about that more and talk about philosophy more than I do. It's just not my style in a class. I do it more on an individual basis or with my own personal practice. But there is a, there's definitely a connection um, with mind-body. And again, that comes through the breath and the nervous system. So even if we just take a very, very deep breath, we're sitting here and we, we take as much air and we breathe yeah. in as much as we can and exhale very slowly. Anytime we do that, we're cultivating a mind-body connection because we're doing it consciously. We're tapping into the vagus nerve to some degree which, you know, is a communication nerve, a double, double nervous system, really, double nerve from the from the gut to the brain into different parts of our body and the diaphragm. So sure. anytime we do that, it's a mind-body connection. So how often we do it and how much mindfulness we bring into it is always very important. In a yoga class, I think a big, a big factor is not to worry about what other people are doing. I think all too often people might be looking around the room and thinking mm-hmm. I must look like that person when I do my, my, my asana, my posture. And that's, that can take us out of our own mind body connection. And that that's detrimental. So we really want to feel what's happening in ourselves during each asana and each sequence and just go to our, our limit on that specific day. Absolutely. So are there any specific adaptations you would suggest people, especially when they are in a yoga class, uh, that they should try uh, in order to prevent that kind of distraction so that they are able to connect their mind and body together? Mm. Um, I think it's a, a practice for every waking hour, really. Um, that's, okay. that's, that's the challenge. Um, you know, we might go to a yoga class three or four times a week. But an average person yes. might go three or four times a week for an hour or an hour and a half each time but we have to consider how many hours we're awake and 
in, in the world besides that. So if we cultivate awareness and mindfulness throughout the week and all of our, in all, in our relationships, then it becomes a lot easier in a yoga class to be conscious of what's happening um, when we're distracted, when we're not really present for the posture or what the teacher is saying. It's always very, it can be very obvious for a teacher sometimes if you're teaching and, and a student is really not present. They might be, a student might be relying on seeing the teacher demonstrate rather than listening to the actual words, right? So cool. Um, cool. That's, a, that's a big part of it. So actually being able to really listen, being in the moment with each, with each word. That's Absolutely. even the yoga, the yoga sutras talk about that. Starting now, talk, listening now and hearing what's present now. That's, that's part of a yoga class. It's just part of hearing what's happening in the moment rather than looking around or thinking I'm not doing this properly or what, what's going to be for dinner. <laughs> Absolutely. I would want to understand more from the anatomy perspective. And since you specialize in it, so how exactly if I look at different forms of yoga today and you mentioned in one of your responses, people want to try yoga mainly to cure or prevent certain diseases or prevent certain pain that would have already come. Say a back pain would be there or maybe they would have uh, they would have tight muscles and they uh, may fall while, while, while walking or their muscle and mind coordination is not proper. So are there ways or anatomical ways that you guide to any individual seeking information on yoga? so that they can have a more holistic understanding of yoga uh, rather than trying to just try to trying to do certain poses and not gaining out of it. Right. You mean it's anatomically, I think there's a lot of ways we can learn. You know, I guess that's why I love teaching anatomy workshops. I've, okay. I've taught, I've taught dozens of anatomy workshops and it's a big way that we can learn about ourselves. For instance, in most anatomy workshops, everybody, everyone's going to be, about 30 years old or older and every single person in the room has a different physical history some of them have been runners some maybe more swimmer or basketball player whatever it might be that's that's had a huge influence over what their body is right now in that room right so they all come to a dip with a different history some of them might have had knee, knee, knee injuries you know uh knee surgery shoulder surgery so all of that is it, we want to take into account and then to learn from that, how, how we can then maybe break down the scar tissue from an injury a little more, how we can um, create more range of motion in the shoulder or the hip or the knee a little bit. Um, yes. Each joint is a little different, but they, of course, they have similarities too. And so to, to understand their own, our own bodies is so huge. So when I turned around 40 years old, I really... I understood the body pretty well, but then I wanted to do more of a study on my own body and see how doing things to strengthen it would be, would make it better, but, you know, yes. would influence my practice because it was much more about flexibility for a long time. Since I started doing yoga at a young age, the flexibility was very easy, but the strength wasn't there. So to do things that were, I guess I started doing things that weren't as yogic, you might say, like using some dumbbells doing things that are more calisthenic based and body weight oriented, like forearm planks and variations of forearm plank. And it's interesting to see how that'll influence the actual posture. For instance, sure. um, you know, being able to do different variations of forearm stand, like yo yoga, forearm stand or handstand are classic postures. But if you do other strengthening exercises, 
and then you come back to your yoga practice, your yoga is feels very different. You can breathe fuller, at least I found. You can breathe sure. fuller, you can be more relaxed in the challenging postures, especially the inversions or the arm balances, once you've created more strength in the upper body. I think if you look at most yoga practitioners from years ago, or some of them today, they might have a pretty good strength in certain parts of their body, but the shoulders are often lacking. Um, women, just as a general rule, because young boys will grow up doing more push-ups than women. It's just I'm just talking generally here. Women, yeah. will, women, women will generally come into a yoga practice with shoulders that are a little weaker, and they might need to strengthen around the rotator cuff or the deltoid to make bigger jumps in their practice. Yoga is, uh, I mean, say most cases have been looked as more of a healer where you consider yoga to calm your mind and senses uh, and very few people consider it as uh, for strength training. What are your thoughts on how exactly yoga can equally help someone who is more aligned to going to a gym or, or strength training exercises at home using dumbbells? Uh, so is there anything that uh, you want to suggest to them? Sure. Um, I, I, it's part, but these days yoga has been influenced, as I said, by so many other practices. So if we, if we're talking sure. about yoga postures themselves, you know, if you if you only want to do yoga postures, then you probably have to hold the posture longer. If you want to gain more strength, like just holding a plank pose or holding forelimb staff pose, Chaturanga Dandasana, that'll yeah. create a lot more strength. Um, holding your holding your body weight up in the air. If you lift your body in certain advanced postures, that'll create a lot more strength and holding it. Uh, I find that's one way, and that's just using the yoga asanas themselves. Yes. If you want to, if you want to make it more of a hybrid practice, um, then that's. I think I feel that's a little quicker way to go about it. Uh, adding calisthenics mm -hmm. uh, into the practice. You no know, body weight calisthenics goes very well with yoga because okay because we're in, in body weight calisthenics you're you're not using anything external you're, you don't have to use dumbbells or ropes or anything um, but it is a challenging practice so you can do different variations of plank pose or forearm plank or handstand even you can even use the wall for handstand and do variations for instance a lot of people are scared of going upside down but if they put their feet on the wall and handstand they might even be able to do a few handstand push-ups. It's important to remember, we don't have to do everything 100%. In other words, if you're doing a handstand push-up or a forearm plank, you can always modify it. You can always take one knee to the floor. You can always just bend your elbows a little bit in a handstand push-up. These are still challenging practices. And for people who sure. you know can't do that at all, there's still the variations of plank pose. You know, For instance, if you're in a push-up position with straight arms, which most people can maintain, you can move yep. your legs. You know, so we have the heavy femur bone and the heavy the heavy um, tibia bone. We can use these as weights, and we can move the legs in different positions, like bringing the knee towards the chest or to the elbow. Again, that's yes. more more like calisthenics than yoga, but um, it is a very quick way to build strength if you have the discipline. And I, I always tell my students, if you want strength, it's just about time and discipline. You want flexibility. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right. Flexibility can take a lot longer. Flexibility can be after a certain age. Most, a lot of people are never going to do a full split after a certain age, but they can definitely get True. some gains in flexibility. Strength, you can 
get incredible gains if you if you work at it mostly people that i have spoken to everyone says as we age yoga is not for me uh, especially people in their 40s or sometimes 50s or even higher everyone is of a similar view saying yoga is not for me it's only for people who have flexible bodies so how do you dispel this misconception and how do you help them to try and adopt yoga and make themselves uh, stronger and uh, flexible yeah that's it's definitely a misconception it's it's completely wrong um because there's that's that's one of the reasons we use props in yoga whether it's chairs or blocks or straps it's very important uh-huh. for people to be able to modify things if they need to so um it it, it well first of all we have to understand that's a very fear based mentality so anytime okay. someone says oh i'm not i'm too old to take a big hike or i'm too old to dance or i'm too old to do yoga any of these things it's all fear based and we have yes. to I think it's important to let go of that fear first and foremost uh be open sure. and curious about what we do with our lives even as even more so when we get older because we want to gain more neuroplasticity right we don't want to just let our brains uh solidify <laughs> and go Absolutely. numb yeah so yeah no people can all do yoga and um i'm i'm actually teaching a starting in the next year i'm teaching a senior yoga teacher training to teach okay. people how to teach seniors and um there's some uh-huh. of the seniors some of the seniors i teach in their late 70s and 80s they do incredible postures and you know, very you know warrior three poses and half moon without too much trouble and other people will need much more support or or modify the posture to a great degree so the, i think the key is modification and understanding where we're at you know to come yes. at it from where you are and then there's yeah. always there's always ways to do your practice you can just take your hands to a chair and stretch over one leg and that's one way to do a simple stretch you, there's always something to do and it's if we do nothing if we do nothing as far as stretching or yoga we're pretty much guaranteed to to become knotted in our bodies and our and our bodies are going to become like a you know a rock over the time True. posture our posture goes from upright to rounded you know, that's what will happen gravity is constantly yes. pulling us so our, our our objective in yoga is to lift ourselves you know into a good posture uh, as as Iyengar you can see Iyengar in his later years he was had an incredibly upright posture it's from a regular consistent practice obviously absolutely how do you encourage your students to integrate yoga into their overall uh, wellness routines that they would be doing I'd, i always say it's about consistency so if someone if someone is doing some yoga or any type of physical activity once or twice a week and they're doing it very intensely for once or twice a week i encourage people to do it every day or at least at least 6 days a week but if they don't have the time just to do it for 10 or 15 minutes a day so it's much much healthier in my mind and you get much more out of it if you do things regularly you wake up in the morning and if you once you have an empty stomach do some stretching do something physical even if it's just a few twists if you some people say they don't have time for their yoga practice you can do a lot you can do a lot in 10 minutes if you're focused and one of the best times to do it is before a meal you know if you're going to or you're going to be eating breakfast or lunch at a certain hour do some mm-hmm. do 10 or 15 minutes of practice before that because then 
that you've done something before you eat, you know, and that after, after we eat, none of us really want to do yoga or any type of physical activity. So anything, true. whether to get your heart rate up, you can do, do squat, you can do, uh, you know, up and down squats. You can do some, uh, a few sun salutations is usually the best thing just to stretch out and twist and do a, do, you know, a regular routine before you eat in the morning. Are there any success stories or examples that you'd want to cite that would help all of us to gain certain inspiration, especially people who have been uh, suffering with certain physical ailments, how you help them to come out of this, uh, of their challenges and how yoga actually helped them to cure uh, some of these uh, ailments? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's the best part of being a yoga teacher is when those things happen, right? <laughs> Anybody who is a movement teacher loves that. So yeah, I, I was actually just at a, at a meal at a restaurant not too long ago and somebody came over to me, they were sitting at like two tables away and they said, do you teach yoga? And I, they, I said, yeah. And she, and she said, oh, I haven't seen you in about at least 10 or 15 years, but um, you taught me yoga years ago at this, at this gym. And she said, I just want to thank you so much because... I didn't, I didn't do yoga with you for very long, but the, the adjustments you gave me, the little hands-on assists you gave me influenced things so much that I did, then I wanted to carry on and I learned the proper alignment with you. And I, I kept wanting to do it over and over again. And I had all these, uh -huh. she, it was, I didn't really, honestly didn't remember her because I've taught so much yoga, but it was so nice for her to come over and say that. And she, she said she had a lot of physical issues before that. And it was just the understanding of the proper alignment that made her want to do the yoga postures more. And then she kept doing it over the course of many years with other teachers. That was great. And, um, another, I've had other students who have, especially some, um, some senior students, one senior student said that, uh, she, she actually was, you know, hiking with someone and then, then tripped and fell. And you know, huh. she's in the mid seventies and she tripped and fell but she was able to kind of like roll and not hurt herself. And she attributed it to all the balance work. Well, kind of funny that she fell, but we did a lot of balance work. But <laughs> what I'm saying is she attributed, <laughs> she attributed the fact that she was able to move gracefully out of the fall to all the yoga. Absolutely. She didn't feel stiff in her body. She felt nice and loose. Um, and myself personally, um, my, I guess my own success story was having a horrible knee injury when I was in my early twenties and I had to have surgery and all that from doing martial arts. And then uh -huh. um, yoga really, it was mostly yoga that made me be able to come back and be able to do all the lotus postures and everything else doing. A big posture that I would always recommend is soup to six months to do it. But as you go use props and sit on blankets and cushions, you break down the scar tissue and you have to be very patient. But now my knees will do anything again. So now I'm, now I'm double the age now of what I was earlier when I had the surgery and my knees are probably healthier now than when I had the surgery. So that's always a good, a good um, inspiration for me and others. One of the uh, important things which I wanted to uh, understand from you, especially there are uh, individuals who travel quite a lot. They do not get time to yoga. So how exactly these guys can find solace in yoga because mostly we have a notion that a yoga need would take at least an hour to fix our health or fix our exercise routine. But are there a short 
10 minute or a 5 minute yoga can it really help someone continue building their exercise habit uh, even if they do not get time to practice it for an hour yeah of course i mean well first of all you mentioned traveling can be the hardest thing on our bodies right for absolutely in, if we're stuck in an airplane if we're if we're sitting in a car for many hours at a time that's that it shortens our hip flexors it tightens our back tightens our piriformis all these things happen through traveling and so it's it's, it's essential I, to me is i think it's essential to do stretches or to move your body in any which way so 10 10 minutes is is plenty of time to do if you do 10 minutes of re- real vigorous sun salutations don't, don't worry you'll, you'll get so much out of it i'll never forget the um an interview with the musician sting yeah, uh-huh. as most people know Sting from the police. He does a lot of yoga, and he said that you know he would obviously he's a celebrity. He has a lot of space to move, and his, his airplanes are. But he would he would do uh, yoga postures and yoga sun salutes at the back of the airplane. Is uh, yeah. so that's it's just something that becomes a natural thing if you make a habit of it. Um, what else was I going to say? So some people in an airplane also you know they get um, they get blood clots. Though it is known, so that's again move, getting up and moving around, just doing a little something while you're traveling is so essential. Helps the blood to flow. Hopefully not, hopefully not to clot or have, have a danger like that. Yes, um, I, I would. I would always say the sun salutes, the sun salutations, and there are many different sun salutations, gentle and advanced, and all of those are good to do if you have five or ten minutes. The other option, if you're just sitting for a long period of time, like I was once on a plane that you know was held up you know, couldn't land for a while, uh-huh. circling for also, you know, obviously there's pranayama. That's, that's, that's all, you know, yoga, yoga encompasses everything. So we could always do breathing exercises or even eye exercises, whatever we want to do just to, uh, just if we're sitting there and yes. no one's, nothing's ever stopping us from meditating as well, which is a much more challenging practice for most of us than the physical postures, but there's always, there's always something we can do. Would you have any advice for beginners who would want to start their yoga journey? Hmm, yeah. Um, well, starting is the main thing, as you said, just getting on the mat. Um, first of all, don't be too judgmental of yourself or the teacher. So, for instance, if, you, if you're just starting and you go to an instructor and you don't like the class, that doesn't mean that yoga is not for you because that was just one teacher. So you have to, sometimes we have to find the right instructor for us and that, that can take some time and all, not to be too judgmental of yourself. If you cannot do certain things. So you most, most young men in their, you know, teenagers or in their early twenties, their, their hips and their hamstrings are going to be very tight. So they step into a yoga class and they see other people doing, you know, full forward bends and they're, they get frustrated. So remember it's, it's about, it's about, making little steps, tiny steps at a time until you see yes. some progress. And that can easily take a year on of regular practice. Um, I'd say making sure you're doing the yoga, especially if you're a beginner, make sure you're not doing yoga in a cold room. And it doesn't have to be hot yoga by any means, but I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. beginners, especially do it in a cold room because you can hurt yourself. You want your muscles to have some warmth and circulation. Okay. And, um, it's, it's very much about consistency and having an open mind, playing with the postures a little bit, finding the teacher that works for you and someone, hopefully a teacher that knows about anatomy, a little, at least a bit. They don't have to be anatomy expert, but if, if they don't uh-huh. understand anatomy at all, um, I feel that they're not going to be able to guide a beginner very well. 
from uh, what i understand is yoga should not be practiced in air conditioned room uh, because there is high probability that uh, it may hamper with the blood flow am i correct in in this uh, understanding yeah I, i believe that's true um, the muscles want to get blood circulation our, our our joints the knee joint the shoulder joint they're pretty much avascular they don't get much blood but the muscles really get a lot of blood and nutrition through the blood and heat up so think you know things will break and collapse a lot easier under in a cold condition whether it's whether it's ligaments or other other things in nature so you know we can it's, it's it's not a good idea to be in a cold room and have a cold air blowing on us of course when we're doing yoga my my personal favorite is a warm room somewhere between 80 to 95 degrees uh with with some a little bit of a gentle fan going um some people don't want the fans they want to feel the full okay. sweat all the time you know that uh-huh. that's that's just up to the individual really that's fine as well i do, i personally like a real warm room with a fan a light fan that, that's just me so like any other exercise there are a lot of misconceptions uh, around yoga as well so would you help uh, dispel some of these misconceptions and what are uh, some of these misconceptions hmm it's probably a lot of them uh, well first of all i guess more and more we have learned through physical therapy and other scientific means that that perfect alignment is not necessary um, okay. a lot of you know i, I mean desayengar brought a lot to yoga and he he's definitely a, a, you know incredible teacher and has changed yoga forever yes. but sometimes we yoga teachers i think feel that we have to be so precise with the with the alignment for everyone in the room i i don't i think alignment's very important but um mm-hmm. if someone has no injuries then yeah. the alignment doesn't have to be perfect or precision we can get a little too caught up in that precision and that can sometimes turn people off and get we get too much into our heads rather than okay. in our bodies and our breath so if you have a bad injury you have a knee injury or a back injury that's really hurting you the alignment yes. is extra important definitely but for a gen- as a general rule i think we can understand the basic alignment but then really feel our bo- our individual bodies and breath that will help a lot um mi- other misconceptions we've talked about that can't build strength with yoga that's a misconception obviously um trying to think mm-hmm. what else just that that yoga is only for women some men some men feel yoga is only for women and that's more and more that's pretty obvious that that's not the case there's a lot of big strong men huge shoulders and even you know yeah. football players who are doing yoga nowadays so i i was recently interacting with one uh, individual and she was in a yoga class and uh, the instructor was very very strict with her when the poses were not direct from your uh, understanding as a yoga instructor and, and and as an expert how exactly yoga teacher should approach individuals especially when they are training and help them adapt each pose according to their uh, likes now it, it it comes down very much to what style of yoga you're doing so right. i might go to a yoga class where i'm looking for that precision and looking for a teacher to correct my alignment sometimes and that's that will have uh-huh. a good inf- good influence on the more dance like yoga you do later so some people we know that everyone's different every person has different likes and dislikes so yes. for some people some people yin yoga is going to be their only practice a very gentle form of yoga where they're 
they're not really strengthening the muscles. They're opening the joints and opening the fascia a little more and buying back on props. So that might be their practice, the yin yoga. Um, yes. But, you know, if you're saying that, how can we do, how can we address the precise alignment? It's important, yes. to have, it's important to have good alignment. I mean, you take a posture like warrior two, warrior two is a very good example. So most people are not going to hurt themselves doing warrior two. But you're uh-huh. at the same time, if you're, if one hip is tilted much higher than the other, or one shoulder is much higher, um, then you're not getting all the benefits from the posture. So I think alignment is not so much about, we, we get scared that if we don't do the alignment perfectly, we're going to hurt our knee or we're going to throw our shoulder out of, out of whack. But that's not generally the case. I just think we don't get the proper benefits. So if you're holding a posture like warrior one, warrior two, or even upward dog, downward dog, all these postures, you get a lot more benefits if you understand the alignment. Where to, if you're an upward dog, not to collapse in your lower back, for instance, not to pinch the lower back or where the sacrum meets the lumbar spine. We don't want to do that in upward dog. Generally speaking, you're not going to cause injury unless you already have a prior injury. But still, you get so much more out of it if you're opening the upper chest and the thoracic region rather than the lower back. So all of these, all of these alignment tips are important um, to get the most benefit from your asanas. Absolutely. So that brings us to the last question for uh, today's discussion. So, how? What are some of the? I would say, what are top three recommendations that you would have for anyone who want to start yoga or already who is a yoga practitioner? Recommendations to start from? I mean, from absolute zero. Absolutely, yes. Um, find the style of yoga that's right for your body and your and your personality. Look, look uh-huh. go, go to many different classes of different styles. Um, if you if you absolutely love dancing, if if you if you've never done yoga but you love dancing in general, then you might try a flowing type of class that makes you feel like you're dancing. That will in, even influence when you're yes. dancing off the mat. If you really are stressed out all the time and you're 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 your nervous system is on edge, you might try a restorative or a yin, yin yoga class or something that's a, uh-huh, a, a uh-huh. sound bath. There, in my area, there's some people doing sound baths, which are really nice, you know, where you're getting you know, beautiful sounds and chimes and gongs all around you during practice. Uh-huh. So really, I'd say experiment. Find, don't, don't give up on yoga the first or second class. Find a teacher that works for you and understand that there's so many ways to do yoga whether it's a pranayama practice or a, or a gentle practice. Uh, and it can take, I, I guess that's what I love about yoga. It's a lifetime journey. It's, not, it's yeah. not something we do just in high school or just in college as a sport. It's something yes. we can do forever. And to, no matter what's happening, as long as we're breathing, <laughs> we can do yoga for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That was wonderful speaking with you once again, Michael. And I look forward to hosting you again for another exciting episode. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Fitness Pro Chat by Fit Aerobic. We hope you had key takeaways from today's episode and learned something new. Don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. In the meantime, reach out to us on Instagram at Fit Aerobic or through our website, fitaerobic.com. And remember, failures will only make you strong and better learn. Take care, stay healthy, and live a fulfilling life with Fit Aerobic.